0: You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenchurch.com. Feels good in here. I love the Eastlake vibe. It is Love Month. Still, still February. And uh, in case you didn't know, um, I, I am oftentimes considered the bishop of business, but not this morning, or this afternoon, not this afternoon. This afternoon, I'm the love doctor. (laughs) Oh yeah, I've got some answers. Now, I have a 13-year-old son whose heart's been pitter-pattering. Oh yeah, and he needs some advice. Because I don't know about you, but when you're 13, you need some coaching. So I took him out and decided it was time to have a chat with him about, you know, how to handle some of these feelings. But, you know, before this, it was like sports and video games. Now there's another player in his heart (laughs) needs some coaching. So I gave him a little advice. Would you like to hear what it was? Number one, how you're feeling is normal. It's good that you feel this way. It's right. I'm not frustrated that you have an interest in this young lady. It's normal. It's perfectly normal. Number two, leave every relationship better than you found it. So this young lady, if this probably doesn't, Work out. I mean, I know there's a few stories in the world today where people met when they were in junior high and they went on to, you know, get married and have grandchildren. That's like one in a hundred thousand. Okay. Just, so it's very likely that she's not the one for you, but you have a responsibility to leave this relationship better than you found it. She should have more hope in mankind because she met you let's go. Pretty good advice. You know what? I've discovered that advice will work if you're 23 or 33 or any three. (laughs) Last, (laughs) the last little bit of advice I gave him was, uh, um, love's real. Even at 13 and you need to protect your heart. You need to guard your heart. And, uh, and you need to guard her heart. So how did the love doctor do? Pretty decent? Okay. All right. I'm going to keep this hat on for a little bit. And I, I feel like as we're sharing around um, being known and love and in love month, that I believe that God wants our heart working, functioning, healthy, thriving, winning, Abundant. It says that Jesus came that you might have life, and life abundantly, abounding. Um, That means your heart should pitter-pat, like my 13-year-olds. I think there's a lot of us who, we had a pitter-pat one day, back in the day, but we've been through enough disappointment that there's not a lot of pitter or patter going on in our heart anymore, but that's not God's will. God's will is always to revive the pitter patter, um, but then teach and coach you how to grow it and build it so that we all experience God's best, okay? So say this after me, God's best is still out there for me. Yes, this is the East Lake campus. This is kind of like the love campus, I feel. You know what I'm saying? I feel like it's a bit sexy down here, good-looking people, a lot of passion, a lot of passion. So I wanted to get and kind of take that coaching I gave Josiah and apply it to us on how to guard our heart, okay? So I want to share a quick scripture, and then the message this afternoon is called Heart Flow, Trusting and believing that God wants to turn the flow of our life on, the flow of our heart on, understanding that for God to get your life turned up, turned on, activated, abounding, the the mechanism he uses or the, the channel he chooses to turn life on is your heart. In fact, the condition of your heart will always, always translate to the condition of your life. Neglected heart, neglected life. Worked on heart, guarded heart, protected heart, weeded heart. Translates to healthy heart, which translates to a healthy, abounding life. So God's will is to turn life on, health on, but it starts here. So let's start in the word, all right? We good? Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, above all. All else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from your heart. Everything, everything, everything you do flows from your heart. Therefore, the condition of your heart is important. Now, I'm a person that likes to teach with acronyms. And so I have grabbed the word flow and felt like we could probably maybe get through four points. So I don't need to have a doctorate like your pastor here to know that uh, there's only four letters in flow, okay? And so the first letter in flow is a—that's correct. Let's go. Okay, the F is a faithful heart. So we're going to kind of break through some of the different dynamics that we need in our heart if if we're going to experience God's intention, his will, his perfect will, which is abounding. He wants to do it. He's committed to do it. He paid a great price so we could access everything he originally intended for us. But we have a role to play, a responsibility to play, and it starts in our heart, and it starts with us having a faithful heart. What does it mean to have a faithful heart? It means integrity. It means honor. It means trusted. What's integrity? Well, I'll give you an example. We uh, own a company on the West Coast, and we buy most of our materials— from Asia, like South Korea, China, and we're sending shipments all the time across the ocean to get our products to our customers on time, right? Pretty important if you want to be in business that you deliver the goods on time. So what kind of a vessel do we want to put our goods on? Well, uh, one that has integrity, one that can handle the seas. I'll tell you something about, about boats they all look the same in the harbor. But what distinguishes a boat you want to put your goods and services on or your goods and valuables on is one that can handle the, the ocean. I don't care how pretty the boat is. If it can't handle the waves, it's not fit for the goods. And so this is life. If you want, if you want flow, if you want God's best, if you want to abound, if you want to have things, you know, God is looking to put goods and services and valuables on you. But if you don't have a faithful heart, if you don't have a heart that has integrity, if you don't have a heart that can handle the sea, then you're limited on how much he can do through you. So we're trying to get flow turned on in our life, but we have to understand that our heart and the health of our heart, and the it said about David that he shepherded them with integrity of heart. In other words, when things got bumpy, when things got rocky, when the waves were really hitting, he didn't come apart. You see, God wants to take your heart into a place where it can handle pressure, can handle some waves. Who cares about your paint job if you're sinking? We need some integrity. We need some substance. And God's looking for people who he can trust. And integrity of heart is one of the most important components. Would you agree? Okay, good. Let's all be people that God can trust. And let's all be people that people can trust. Okay, the next thing is honoring. If we're going to have a faithful heart, it needs to honor or appreciate. Now, we've learned here at Awaken Church, we've been here for eight years, that what you appreciate grows in value. Yet when I came here, I was a lot more like Dr. Mike when he came here. I was a little cynical. I didn't appreciate much. I always wanted what I didn't have. I didn't really value what was in my hand at the time. I wanted what was in your hand. I was really kind of disappointed in my hand. And so I was always complaining about my hand, my life, my wife. I I just wasn't in a healthy place where I was being faithful with what I had. And so instead of appreciating and valuing and honoring what was in my hand and being truly faithful with it, I was devaluing it and criticizing it. But I'll tell you something, a faithful heart appreciates what it has. It's <laughs> good preaching right there. That's the love doctor. That's the love doctor right there. There's nothing. I'll tell you something that will do your marriage incredibly well is appreciating your spouse. Appreciating, appreciating, appreciating. You know, it'll actually do your work environment well too. Start appreciating what you have. You know something? I'll tell you something about faithfulness. Faithfulness has everything to do with what's currently in your hand. If you want to honor life and be a faithful and have a faithful heart, you have to honor what's currently in your life. Do you know you do not have the ability to be faithful with your next level? You can only be faithful in your current level, in your current situation, with your current economic condition, with your current job situation, in the current relationship you have, you do not have the ability to be faithful with your next relationship yet. And I will tell you this, if you're unfaithful with your current situation, there's a good chance you may not get to your next level. We need faithful hearts that appreciate and honor where they are Now, the secret to making your current situation better is appreciated. Okay, let's keep moving. There's one other aspect of a faithful heart, and it's called being trusted. I heard this story, this unbelievable story. Uh, I think it was last week. Pastor Stacy's here with us. Uh, We love her. She's the... uh, executive operations director at Awaken Church. One of the things I love about Pastor Stacy is how trusted she is with big things. We, me and Rudy, get the privilege of sitting on the board. Rudy Batiz, stand up, please. Rudy, the Mexican cutie. Yeah. Um... I actually asked him if I could bring the love doctor hat out and he said, I think it's a good, I think it's a good look for you. So appreciate that, Rudy, my love guru, Rudy. Um, But we get to sit on the board and we get the privilege to watch the awakened organization, the awakened church. We're always doing big things and our responsibility as a board is to, is to always do it right to make the right decision, to honor the big. I mean, we just bought a new campus in East County. I mean, we're always growing, and our job is to make sure we're smart, we're careful, we're integrous, that we protect the reputation of, of God's people and God's church. But one of the things I found and what I love about Pastor Stacy is how much Pastor Jurgen trusts her. Like, when I, every time we get close to Pastor Juergen, the person, he— he defers decision making or defers like trust to is always you. And so I just want to say, because you've been so faithful doing what you've been doing, you're going to be trusted with much more and much more is in front of you. So we love you. We love you. We love you. Okay, give it up. Okay, but that wasn't the story I meant to tell. But because we were given an opportunity to do some cool new thing, of course, um, Rudy and I were there because we're on the board and Pastor Stacy's there because. Pastor, you can just trust her with everything. So, uh, and it was a really cool scenario. There is a guy who has attended our church for a while, who's given his life building a legacy down in Mexico, helping orphans, and he's got all this property and this incredible mission down there. And he was looking to pass the baton to somebody who could be trusted with it. Okay, because that's that's really what we're talking about here. A, a faithful heart can be trusted with something that somebody else values. Wouldn't you like to be the person when someone has something valuable they need taken care of that they're like, I gotta call that person, I gotta call you. Well, they were, this person was like, what organization can I trust to carry on my legacy? You know what they said? Awaken Church. There's people at Eastlake campus that have a heart for orphanages in Mexico. And we have the wisdom, now we're still vetting it out. We're not sure, I'm not even supposed to be talking about this, but it's Eastlake, so just don't tell anyone that, you, that I brought this up. We don't even know we're doing it yet. What I'm saying though is we've been invited to do it because we're a trusted organization. Okay, now I gotta tell the story though um, because it, it blew my mind and I thought I've known every cool business God story out there because I'm so committed to bringing God into the marketplace and, and, and co- explaining our marketplace calling through the lens of God's in it. Even though Billy Graham said the next great move of God is gonna happen in the marketplace, I'm still always looking for signs and wonders and expressions of God and I found one two weeks ago. And it was this guy telling the story about the founders of A1 Storage. Did you know A1 Storage was founded in San Diego by this incredible Christian family? The Cantors, Barbara and Terry. Now it's Love Month, and this is pretty cool. They did just celebrate 65 years of marriage. They have eight kids, 40 grandkids, and 48 great-grandkids. Okay, so come on, I mean that's cool, but there's more to their story. In the 80s, they had already started in business, but they loved getting down to um, at the time Tijuana and helping in orphanages. And guess who they met down there? Mother Teresa. Oh, yeah, before she was in India, because remember, before she was trusted with a billion people, she was trusted in Tijuana. She was faithful in the orphanages that were in her hand before she was promoted to a global scale of, of, of running the most influential orphanages of our day. Mother Teresa, okay, she started small just like you and I. She had to be faithful where she was, just like you and I. She had to be trusted where she was, just like you and I. But the cantors met Mother Teresa down in Tijuana, and they were just doing what they could with what they had. And they fell in love with the people, the poor. They captured God's heart for the poor. Let me tell you something about God's heart He cares about the poor he loves the poor, he loves the orphan, he loves the widow, he loves fixing people, he loves helping people, he cares deeply. If you want to catch the heart of God, catch a heart for the poor, I'm telling you. And so here's the cantors, Terry and Barbara, they go down there, they're meeting Mother Teresa, and they're just heartbroken to do something. They're like, we want to do, we want to do whatever, what do you want us to do? We're here to help, we'll do anything. You know what Mother Teresa said? You know what she didn't say? Leave everything you know, sell everything you have and come down here. Help us. We need the help. She said, go back to the States and make money because we need it. We need your heart. We need your passion to help. We need your love for the poor. But the poor don't just need people that love them. They need people that can help them. Go back and make money. So he went back and started A1 Storage, which is he has over four million square feet now. You have thirty-three thousand people that just rent their storage. If you need storage, go to A1. You know, I'm just. <laughs> but but what I love is th- they they lived a life that was bigger than just grandkids and great grandkids. They started tapping into legacy, and that's really what I want to talk about, about being trusted. And if there's one word I felt for this Eastlake campus today, it was that God wants to trust this campus and trust you because you go to this campus with big things. He has mission. He has purpose. He has goods. He has responsibilities. He has things in the earth he wants to get done, and he's looking for us to answer the bell, to answer the call just like he was looking for Barbara and Terry Cantor, who were just simple businessmen. They, they, they just were businessmen with a heart for God, and they lined their heart up with his heart, and then he was able to accelerate and expand and blow up their business because they connected it to his heart. The secret to turning the flow on in our life is connecting our heart to his heart. And the more we can connect our heart to his heart, the more he can turn the flow on. Because the flow is not about us just living this extraordinary life and winning big and driving nice cars, although we like nice cars. It's about God's blessing flowing through us. The definition of prosperity is not how much you have. It's when you graduate from life being about you. Prosperity is graduating from a selfish life to a life that God can use to benefit other people. And so, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, we love prosperity, yeah, we, because we understand biblical prosperity. Biblical prosperity says it's selfish for me to only think about me. If I start thinking about others and surrender my life to God's heart for others, I can now become a conduit that God can be trusted, that can be trusted to help people. Who's into that? Okay, one of my favorite scriptures is out of, uh, is out of Second um, Chronicles sixteen nine. It says, "The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is true towards Him." In other words, God's looking to flex. He's looking to show up. He's looking to be big. He's looking to help people. He's looking to strengthen people. He's looking to heal not just people, but communities. There's not one thing that's broken that God doesn't want to fix. He just needs a trustworthy vessel, vehicle that he can use to show himself strong on behalf of so he can get done what's in his heart. And what's in his heart is helping people, healing people, restoring people. That's the heart of God. If you want to know what God's into, he likes people a lot. He loves people no matter the condition. And he loves working with people that also love people no matter the condition. Okay. I say we all sign up. I want to be trusted with what's in God's heart. And, and it's not just an individual it's an organization. You know, organizations can be trusted with what's in God's heart. Businesses can be trusted. F- marriages. And I think this is where Melissa and I are. We're, we're like, yeah, we want romance. Not gonna lie. I wanna feel intimate and close. I wanna have sex. You wanna be heard and listened to and you wanna, you know, have time together. You know I mean? Come on, I mean, I'm not, I, I, I'm not saying that like that's bad Or and, and I love that we're a church that goes there We're going to talk about it, okay? God intended it to be good. We're not going to have the elephant in the room. Everybody wants it. We're we're going to talk about it. But I think there's like building upon the practicals of February. I want to add to the incredible stuff that's been shared a little bit of a different perspective. What if we built marriages like Terry and Barbara that said, you know, God, I, I do want romance. I do want to have, you know, beautiful walks on the beach, and I do want to look my wife of 65 years in the eyes or, or even six years in the eyes. But more than that, I want a marriage that you can use. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? And I, 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 Maybe it's not a marriage. I just want a life. I, I want all the, the significant relationships in my life be ones that God can use. I want to be trusted. I want to be trusted with what is in God's heart. Good? I don't think, I think that's what we want to engineer our lives around. What does God want to get done, and how can I be a part of it? Okay, I told a story in the first um, Service that I'm not going to share in this one, so you have to listen to the tape. But I've got some other ones that I'm going to share here that I didn't share there. I want to talk about uh, the L in flow, and that's a loving heart. Jesus was approached by religious people. Religious people are always trying to ask questions, but what I love is he still brought the truth here, and this is what he said. They were asking him, what's the most important commandment? right? And so this is out of Luke 16. And he says, pardon me, pardon me, pardon me. This is out of uh, Mark 12. And Jesus says, the first and greatest commandment is you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second command is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So, for us to get flow going in our life, we need to get the right relationship with love. Okay, and there's four things we, we need to learn how to love. The first is we need to love. Good. We need to love God. Then we need to love our ourselves. Sure, sure. It's hard to love others if you haven't first loved yourself, and you need to love your neighbor. Who's my neighbor? Most of us don't even know our neighbors. And that's okay. Your neighbor is usually the person you do life with. You might work with them. You might go to school with them. You might be on the same team with them. Okay? It doesn't mean it's like the person next door. It's just the person that's in the proximity of your world. Let me say this. Let me say this. The condition of your heart and the health of your heart will be the greatest determinant as to what they experience. Let's just look at these balloons for a minute. So there's there's four balloons here. The first one represents God's heart. Abounding, full, above, big, like incredible, wonderful. Okay? And then we have this heart, which represents a healthy heart, a growing heart, an aspiring heart, a full heart, an abounding heart. The kind of hearts we're going to have here at Eastlake. Regardless of the condition we have right now, this is the aim. Okay? And it's the heart I want for Josiah right now at 13. I want it to be full. I want it to be alive. I want it to be amazing. It's the heart I want him to be able to give away on his wedding day one day. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a healthy heart. It's the heart I want him to be able to start businesses with and go to soccer practice with. And Full, confident, healthy, excited, alive, abounding. Full of hope and faith and courage. That's a healthy heart. A heart where the flow's turned on. Well, then you got this heart, which is probably better than that heart. Natalie, do you, is this? Would you be happy to have this? You sure? Little, little limp, little lame. Um, I, I don't think the the thing that's really important is we we have to if we're gonna get our heart full and get our heart flowing. The, the beginning is no matter the condition of your heart, because it doesn't matter how you come in. You might have come in like like. Pastor Mike and me, when I I first got into the kingdom, it wasn't even here, it was more like here. Shoot, I mean, Melissa and I, we both come out of a divorce, Um, we've been married 15 years now, but you know, 18 years ago, this is what life looked like. A lot of shame, a lot of disappointment, a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of brokenness. Um, There really wasn't a lot of health. Okay, Dr. Mike wasn't asking me to speak at that time. I mean, it wasn't the most attractive life. So what changed? What changed? Here's what changed. I came into a realization that there was a God who loved me even when I was here. Wait a minute, a divorced man, a a broken man, a a guy that, that was ashamed, he loved that guy? Yeah, and it was actually that love that changed my performance. It's one of the things I love about Christianity. I used to think you have to perform to get love. You know what I mean? But it's, instead, it's his love that changes my performance. Perfect love is a great engine in your vehicle. You want the, the high revving horsepower of a, of a vehicle that can go places? It's called perfect love is the engine. Approval-based, performance-based love, man, that, that's what got me there. I needed you to like me so much that I would perform for you and then I would not be true to who I was when that's all you really wanted me to be and I ended up being broken and the only thing that could save me is his love. Here's what I love about God though. Yeah, he helped me here. He got me flying again. But you know what? He still helps me here. You know why? He's not done with me. Because it's not just loving me that was his intent. It was loving through me. So once he got my heart to where it could soar again, now he wants to use my life to introduce his will and his intentions and his love for others. So there's no limit to how much I want or need God because it's how much do I want, how much love do I have for the world? I think we need some big love. Big love for our city. Big love for our communities. Big love for the poor. Big love for our nation. Big love for our church. So I told you there was four things, though. We've got to love God. We've got to love ourselves. And we've got to love our neighbor. What's the fourth? It has to do with money. <laughs> I'm going to put the Bishop of Business hat back on, Rudy. Get this. This is out of 1 Timothy. It says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people craving money have wandered from the truth and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Wait a minute. I thought you were the business pastor. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't say it's bad to have money. It doesn't say it's bad to make money. It doesn't say it's bad to steward money. It says it's bad to love money. We're called to love God, love people, and even love ourselves. We're not called to love money. We're called to use money to express the bigness of our love. Okay? So just last week, we were out celebrating, Melissa and I, for Valentine's Day. And my money had to bow to my love. My wife likes Gucci shoes. Now, I don't like Gucci shoes. not my style. But my wife likes them. So I had to choose. Do I love my money or do I love my wife? (laughs) You see, what's awesome about the kingdom of God is there's no limit to how much money I can make as long as it's governed by my love. And so my love took a knee to the governing heart of my love for my wife, but I love other things. Now, let me say something real quick though. My credit card didn't bow to my love. And I want you to know something else. We've been married for 15 years. We've been, it took us a while. There was a time when we bought kids for each other. I mean, you know what I mean? I'm not saying that 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 being Christian is being Gucci. I'm saying that you have to graduate to different levels of life. Don't, Don't put your love on a credit card. Ladies, don't expect your man to put love on a credit card. Trust me, the long term benefit is your bills are paid you want to love the shoes, pay cash for them. Yeah. It's another story. It's a side story. <laughs> it is good. Let me say something else. Um, I love a church that represents God in our city well. I like bringing my friends to this church. Let me tell you something. I've been to churches that I didn't want to bring my friends to. Because I was trying to bring them to God. (laughs) I was trying to introduce them to a God that they would like. And I was going to a church that I didn't even like. I'm just saying that I like building churches that represent God. And so when I'm talking about making money... And and loving and not loving money, but having big love for God's reputation in the city. I use money to serve my love, and like the cantors, Barbara and Terry, I got I got pitter pattery about building God's house. My heart pitters and patters for the reputation of God in the earth. My heart pitters and patters that the greatest story ever told is told better than any other story in the earth. My heart pitter-patters for that. So guess what? It drives me to go to work because then my love produces the ability to finance my love. You tracking with me? I can get the flow turned on as long as my heart is in alignment with the right things. There's no amount of money that's too much as long as their love is the governor. So we have permission to live big, grow big, build big, do, do things that are way beyond anything we've ever done, as long as it bows to big love. Good? All right, all right, all right. Okay. All right, all right, all right. The O. Shoot, we're almost wrapped up. Um, so we got a faithful heart, right? Loving heart. And now we have an overcoming heart. Now I've discovered in this life, if you're gonna have a lot of flow, you're gonna have to overcome a lot of stuff. I wanna tell a story that I didn't tell in the last service because I felt like it was for this service. I also have, you know, my son Josiah is not only um, currently having a butterfly heart for a young lady, but a couple years ago, he was in um, second grade. And uh, he had a great first grade. First grade was epic. But second grade didn't start so well. Ian was in second grade. And Ian was one of those kids that should have been in fifth grade, but I don't know what happened. (laughs) Ian liked Josiah's Oreos. And all of a sudden, this happy second grade kid wasn't happy. Wanted to go back to his old school. Didn't like his school anymore. So I'm a good dad. And I started praying. You know, like a good dad does. Probably went to the 530 prayer. Brought that up. And I was praying stuff like this. God, I need you to kill Ian. (laughs) Take him out. Measles, (laughs) Measles, <laughs> mumps, coronavirus, I don't care. Kill him. And so God is awesome and he's humorous. Hey, listen, that's how King David prayed. He'd like smash him in the mouth, destroy him. I was just praying like King David. He, he, uh, he starts asking me questions. What, what kind of son you want? I want a champion. I want him to be a leader, world changer, game changer. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah. So uh, you want me to just take every hard thing out of his life? He's like, I build champions. You need to pray different. You need to quit praying as soon as possible prayers and start praying as long as it takes prayers. You need to start praying that your son has some courage and some confidence and learns how to overcome some adversity. Because what you want for him is what I want for him. I want him to be a champion. I want him to be a, to be confident. I want to have a flow in his life. I want him to prosper and be trusted with much. But if he's quickly damaged, hindered, shut down, by just a little, little bit of opposition, he won't be able to handle what I have for him. So I started praying differently. I liked Ian all of a sudden. You see, and I think sometimes we interpret every hardship the wrong way. We think it's the devil. Devil's after me. Got this, this evil boss from hell. <laughs> Listen, God's for you. And he's going to use everything, even the hard things, for your growth, for your development. But I'm going to promise you something. I'm going to promise you something. If you're lining your life up for growth and flow and impact, you will have to overcome some stuff. One of the things I guarantee, promise you will have to overcome is offense. You are going to be offended. You'll be offended right here at church. It's funny. I meet the most wimpy Churchgoers. It's like they'll go through hell at work, be treated, mistreated, but somebody just looks the other way at church. It's like, I'm going to go find me another church. Listen, get some, get an overcoming hearts. Because, because, because. I'm just telling you, man, I've seen it. Oh, man. If God's going to use you big time, you need to be able to handle some adversity. You need to be able to handle some people misunderstanding you, not liking you, overlooking you, mistaking you. Okay, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying you got to overcome if you're going to be a person that God can turn the flow on. Okay. The final thing is a worshiping heart. We need a faithful heart. One that has integrity. One that has, um, one that can be trusted. We need a loving heart. One that loves God, loves others, loves ourselves, doesn't love money. We need an overcoming heart. A heart that's actually prepared when adversity comes. Not surprised, but prepared. But we also need a worshiping heart. And I want to talk real quick about worship before I pass this back to Pastor Mike. Worship is engaging with Him. If God's going to turn the flow on in our life, He needs our life to engage Him. Now, all of us have different ways we encounter God. But if you're going to be a person who experiences flow, who experiences abundance, who experiences a full life, who experiences the life we want... It comes from engaging God, okay? Um, The second thing about worship is it does take your words. Use your words to tell God he's amazing. Use your words. Don't just listen, but you use your words to vocalize that he's good, that he's for me, that he loves me, that he wants the best for me, okay? Okay? But the third, I'm going to give us what true worship is. True worship is giving God you. That's what he wants. He wants you. He wants you. So the altar isn't a place of singing songs. The altar is a place of offering your life. Offering your life. Offering your life. Listen, listen. I had to offer him my life when I had no life when the only thing was his love. But you know what? He wants my life when it's full. So one of the things I've discovered is I have a good marriage now. I offer him that. I love my kids. We have a cracking business. We're making money. We're out of debt. I mean, God has done so much crazy stuff with our life, but guess what? That's what I offer him. I offer him where I am right now. Am I all the way to where he's called me to be? No, not yet. But I'm going to worship him on the way. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.